Happy Easter. Three special days, three days that changed the world forever. They were a Friday, they were a, Sat they were a Saturday, and they were a... <laughs> I didn't realize that was going to work. <laughs> and they were a Sunday... So I'm not getting used to this, am I? They were a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. If we think about what happened on those three days, a Friday, the pain and suffering that came from that day, to the Saturday, a day of transition from what was a good Friday, was going to be a great Sunday, but that sense of frustration, that sense of confusion, especially in the disciples on that particular Saturday, then on that Sunday, that incredible, triumphant um, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. These were the three days that changed the world forever. And today, this morning, we're going to talk about the good news of Jesus in regards to these three days. But before these three days and beyond these three days, these three special days. Because if there's one place in the Bible that captures the good news... And it is good news. The good news of Jesus is found in this passage that we're talking about, children. John 3, 16. 3, 16, 3, 16, 3, 16. 3, 16, 3, 16, 3, 16, 3, 16. One of our staff is actually trying to count at the same time so they get what it is. 3, 16. <laughs> Now, some of you may have never heard this passage. Some of you, this would be very familiar, this particular passage, and some of you certainly know this by memory. So in full voice, we've got it on the screen here this morning, and it goes a little bit like this. Everyone together. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. One sentence... 26 words, it's easy to say, this particular passage has stood the test of time for around about 2,000 years. People's lives have been changed by believing and responding to this very sentence in which you and I have just read together. It begins with God and ends with life and invites you and I to do the same. Now, in many ways, it's God's answer to the human problem that God loves, God gives, we believe, and we live. Who's it written by? John. John. John is the writer. John is, of course, one of Jesus' followers, described in the Bible as the closest friend to Jesus, the closest disciple to Jesus. Unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who wrote their particular gospel shortly after Jesus' time here on earth, John actually wrote his gospel quite late in life, in fact, around about the age of 80. And so, because of that, he had time to think, and he had time to reflect, and he had many decades to do those things on who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And so this sentence is so powerfully summarized in this particular passage, and that's the good news of Jesus to us today, yesterday, and forever. So this morning, we're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to dig a little deeper and unpack this summary of this good news. Let's start with this. First thing, it begins with, for God. For God. Let's just stop there right for a moment if we could. Because there's a lot of debate, is there not, in this world today about whether there is a God. You know, is he just for those needy people? 
Is it wishful thinking? Is it something that's made up in our heads? You see, for the ancients, it was anything but made up because they didn't doubt there was a God. You see, for the ancients, they didn't assume, they just assumed that God is, that they would look up into the night sky. I don't know if you saw the night sky last night and that beautiful moon, but they would look up and that they would say, well, there's a whole lot of stars out there. In fact, probably over 100 billion stars out there. And they would think straight away, well, there's, because there's, a, there's that many stars, there's got to be a creator. They, so they had the approach to life and to God, for God, that if you see a house, well, there's probably a builder who built that house. If you hear a song, there's probably a, a composer who wrote that particular song. And if you see a painting, there must be an artist who crafted that particular painting. So logically, they'd see things and that somebody had created that. And so they looked up. They didn't just look up. They looked in as well. They looked inside the human heart. Notice there's that sense of right and also wrong. Even children know that it's good to help and it's wrong to hurt. They may not always follow that, but they know that. And I think us big kids would also have the same issue as well. So they had that sense that, well, maybe someone had put that internal law with inside me, that sense of a conscience inside of me, and so there must be a law giver. And so the ancients would look up, and they would also look in and say, well, there must be a God, and if He created the world, He must be all-powerful, He must be holy, and if He put that internal law in my heart, there must be that sense of holiness about who this God is. So, how does that apply to me today? How does the good news apply for us today? Well, there's another thing that's so surprising about this particular verse that you and I have just read out. Because it goes on and says, For God, say this with me, children, for God so loved. You think about what's unfolding here, what John is unfolding here before us. Loved. For God so loved. This is amazing what's unfolding here, considering that we have not done a great job looking after our planet. We don't always treat each other well either in terms of the wars and the famines and homelessness and terror. And so you would think that John would write something like this, for God was so frustrated with the world. Would you not? For God was so angry with the world. For God was so annoyed with the world. For God was so upset with the world. Considering, considering our stewardship of what he has allowed you and I to be a part of, his planet, and the way that we treat each other. But no, 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 no. For God so loved, John boldly declares, for God, say this with me, so loves. He so loves. And so we look up and we look in and we see this powerful God, we see this holy God, but we also see now this loving God. You know that word, for God so love. That word love is a very common word, is it not? And we almost kind of overuse that particular word and its true meaning. You see, in one sentence, I can say, well, I love ice cream, which I do. I love football, which I do. <laughs> and I love my wife, Karen, in which I do. <laughs> what do you love? 
Oh, you expect, no, 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 I'm not responding like that. Um, <laughs> so how many of us know these three types of love are different kinds of love? For example, I don't kiss my ice cream cone. I don't lick my football. And I certainly do not kick Karen. She kicks me. <laughs> Where is she? That last night? That, anyway, we get there. Um, in bed, in bed, that is not... Anyway, she doesn't... Anyway. Um, but these kind of loves, they're all different kind of loves. And so we have this powerful God. We have this holy God. But he actually loves us. And so, so much of the world in which he loves goes around thinking that he's angry at me. And I, I'm meant to live... Like, you know, I'm meant to... I'm, meant, I'm just meant to. No, no, no. We've got to learn to live under His grace. Why? Because that song we just sung called Covered. We're covered by His grace. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> anyway. Um, the third thing, he goes on and says, For God so loved the world. Very good. This is another surprising word, isn't it? Because you'd think John would have to say, Well, for God so loved Israel. Well, for God so loved Australia. For God so loved Russia. Any Russia, and Russians out there? Russia. Any, uh, for God so loved New Zealanders. <laughs> I know, there are a few of these. They're very shy, these New Zealanders. Um, for God so loved, let's stand up for these people. The Philippines. Yeah. India. <sighs> South Africa. <laughs> for God so loved Scotland. Ireland. <laughs> Have I missed any countries? Tasmania. No, we won't get there. No, no, no. <laughs> but he doesn't. It doesn't say, for God so loved one particular nation, or that God loved all the good people, or that God loved all the bold people. <laughs> I hear that, amen. It doesn't say, for God so loved all the Hawthorne supporters. No, no, no. God loves Collingwood supporters. <laughs> love you, Dougie. <laughs> but this love, you think about this love. For God so loved the world, it's broad, it's inclusive. God so loved the world, he loved the unloved, the unlovely, the people who don't even think about him. This is that broad welcome mat. From heaven to all of humanity, regardless of race or gender or age or stage. Why? For God so loved the world. It goes on and it says this. For God so loved the world, say this with me, that he gave. He didn't come to take from us. He came to give to us. You know what the following verse says in verse 17, by the way? This is the most underrated verse in the Bible. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. You know what the word condemn means? It means without hope. It's a different word to that of conviction. Conviction means with hope. Yes, I hope we are convicted day by day by the goodness and the presence of the Holy God. But for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. But to save the world. Very good. And so he's the original giver of all things that are good. What did he give us? Did he give us another email? Another handbook, another tweet, another like on Facebook, another photo? No, he gave us his one and only Son, he sent himself in human form. Someone once said this, if our greatest need was for information, God would, send, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need was for money, he would have sent us 
an economist. If, if our greatest need was for entertainment, he would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for this. That's our greatest need in life. It's not for money. It's not for a bigger, shinier this and that. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's nothing wrong with that. But our greatest need, our greatest need was for this, was for forgiveness. And that's why he sent us a savior into the world to rescue us and to transform us from the inside out. Goes on. For God so loved the world, he gave, say this with me, he gave his only son that whoever, whoever. This is another surprising word as we unfold this particular passage. Why? Because it's inclusive. Whoever you are, no conditions attached, no requirements. And I think whoever actually imply, uh, implies however, however you may find yourself today. It also implies wherever you may find yourself today. Because no one is too far from God, including the prodigal son who was miles from the father's home, who is not too far from the good news. It's never too late. It implies whenever that there is no use-by date. How many of you ever gone to eat those cornflakes or wheat mix or Wheaties, whatever you've been eating, and all of a sudden you, take, you taste that use-by date? It has no use-by date. You know those gifts sometimes, gift cards and things you get, and you kind of show up to the cinemas, and you hand over your use-by, and say, no, we can't use that, it's, it's used up. The date's gone. You had your time. Mm. There's no use-by date. In this lifetime. And so the good news is, the thief on the cross, who was there that day with Jesus right beside him, who lived that life of crime, in his dying moments, he looked over to Jesus and said, would you remember me today in paradise? And so we are never too late. We are never too far in this lifetime. And we are never too low to respond, whoever, however, wherever, and whenever. That continues on here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes. This is another surprising word, is it not? You think about, compared to all other major world religions, it doesn't say whoever tries, whoever works really hard, whoever does the right thing. No, no, no. It's whoever, what? Believes, whoever believes. John is saying here that believing is not about what you do, but it's trusting what someone else can do that you can't do. You know, we just recently celebrated a couple of births into the life of our church, and I had the real privilege of being uh, present with my wife in the birth of my two children. It's just one of those incredible God only experiences, right? And how many of us know the real hero in these experience of nine months of carrying this child, of agonizing with this child in terms of body structure and things like that that's going on, pushing with this child and giving birth to this child? It's not the child that deserves a medal, but it's the mother who deserves a medal. It's the mother who deserves the medal. Come on. <laughs> you see, this is what I'm getting at, and it's this, that a great birth requires an able parent, not so much an able child. What I mean by that is that when Jesus said that we are to be born again, it's not about you trying to do 
It's about God as a father where he does his work and we trust and we step out for his transforming, transforming work to take place inside of us. Because at its core, at its core, Christianity is spelt this way. It's spelt this way. Check this out. It's spelt like this. It's dumb. It's dumb. So many people in the world spell it D-O. But it's what's already been done. It's about what Jesus has done for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And it's available for whoever believes in him. It goes on. Let's finish this up and wrap it up. It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have, say this with me, eternal life. You see, God's great desire that you would, you would dance with him, the dance of life that he's inviting you into this dance of life and it's God's dream and it's God's desire that no one would perish in this world. That you would take that free will that he's so blessed you with and surrender that to him and lift your heart and lift your hands to the holy, all-powerful, all-knowing one because it's whoever believes and he respects that decision he won't join in the dance if you don't invite him to join in the dance but that dance of life is unlike any other dance of life that he invites you into it's a dance of hope it's a dance of life it's a dance of joy it's a dance of respect and commitment one to the each other the good news is this if you haven't invited him into that dance yet hmm, that he's active he's active across this world Across this world, his Holy Spirit is moving. And even across this auditorium this morning, this is not about religion, by the way. If you've come here for religion, you may have come to the wrong place. You see, door of hope and what we believe here, it's all about relationship, one with each other and one with the, the Holy. Because we look up, but we also check what's happening inside. So we align that to him. And so he's active, reaching out to every person across his world, his world, and inviting them into the dance of life wanting them to know his power, wanting them to know his holiness, his love, and his forgiveness. You see, eternal life, as it mentions right on the end there, starting with God, for God, eternal life, God and life. He invites us in to that dance. Eternal life isn't just about heaven when we die. It's about the quality of life right here and right now. And that's why it's good news. That's why it's the good news. And you, you and I, we can experience that life today, that abundant life. I'm not saying anything, not, you know, it's not all the perfect kind of way of living, but it's that acceptance of grace and forgiveness and accepting that it's been done once and for all. That life that's characterized by love, peace, and joy. And so this is the good news of Easter. That's the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday. And so once again, in full voice, as we bring this into a close, and we come around this table together as a meal, we won't literally stand up and come around this table, it's just take too long, but we come around this table together and we remember. We remember what God has done through His Son Jesus for this world. So one more time, can we read this out together? Is that okay? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The good news requires a response. What I mean by that is an answer. An answer. And many of us in this room, we've said yes. We've said yes. It's affected the way we live. It's affected the way we love. We're not perfect. 
far from it. I'll put my hand up, be the first person of faith. But we've accepted what God has done for us through His Son Jesus upon the cross. And this morning we're coming around the cross, but this morning we're also coming around this table. And this table is over here. And it's a spiritual meal that we do here each and every Sunday because Jesus invites us into this spiritual meal. He invites us around this table. It won't fill us physically, but there's something so spiritually powerful, especially on a day like today as we come and we remember Him. How about we pray? And how about we reflect? How about we think? Maybe we do two things. In our hearts, not physically, but just in our hearts, we look up. And we look inside. Because that's what communion asks of us. This family meal, as we come together in community, we're invited in this meal to look up. And to remember, as we take that bread biscuit, remember the body, the body of Jesus, God himself upon the cross, as he walked among us, as he lived among us, and he showed us how to live, he showed us how to love, he showed us how to give, and showed us how to forgive. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was his dying prayer for the soldiers who hung him upon that cross, who threw him upon that, upon that cross. And we're invited to take this meal this morning. We remember the, his blood as we take the grape juice this morning. Remember the blood that flowed for you and I, the blood of Friday, of Saturday, of Sunday, of Monday, and every day after that. And it's today that we choose to remember. My prayer, Father, is for us this morning. May the good news never become old news. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This meal, you're invited. Those that Jesus invited to share this meal with here this morning are for those who are in a living, loving relationship with Him. If you're not quite prepared, you're not at that, sta that stage here this morning, that's fine. Simply pass the trail on to the next person. There'll be quite a few of us who'll do that this morning, and that's okay. We so welcome you here. But maybe, maybe, in these next few moments, you can reflect upon the cross for yourself. You can look up, and you can look in. And truly discover the Christ of Easter. I invite the serving team here this morning to come and to lead us and to allow us to partake in the spiritual meal this morning.